0: making sure that your prayers are answered next on Abounding Grace. Wouldn't you love to be able to have a prayer life that brings about a certainty, a a knowledge that you know your prayers will be answered? Well, that's what we're looking at today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you've been with us for any length of time, you know that over the past couple of months, we have spent our time looking at the Lord's Prayer. What to pray, when to pray, how and why to pray. And this is all directed by God Himself. It would stand to reason then that if we stuck to those guidelines, we could be certain of answered prayer. And that's what we focus on today. It's our final look at our series on the Lord's Prayer. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast.
1: Spurgeon had a great sermon on this text. And here is what he said. Quote, The first mark of a follower of Christ is that he believes his Lord. We do not follow the Lord at all if we raise any questions upon points whereupon he speaks positively. Though a doctrine or a promise should be surrounded with 10,000 difficulties, the I say unto you of our Lord Jesus Christ sweeps them all away. Our Master's declaration is all the argument you want. I say unto you is all the logic we need. If someone asks you, How is it logical that you believe in prayer? you say, Jesus said, I say unto you, and I trust emphatically in Him. Unquote. Spurgeon goes on to answer someone's objection to prayer, which was, why should we pray? It is irrelevant if God has predestined everything, and since God's predestination is unchangeable, what is the use in praying? So Spurgeon gives this great answer. It is our full belief that God has predestined everything that happens in heaven above and in the earth beneath. And that the decreed station of even a reed by the river is a fix, is as fixed as the station of a king. And that the chaff from the hand of a winnower is stirred steered as the stars in their courses. Predestination embraces the great and the little and reaches to all things. The question is therefore... Why pray? Might it not as logically be asked, Wherefore, why breathe? Why eat? Why move? Why do anything? We have an answer that satisfies us. Namely, that our prayers are included, listen now, are included in the predestination and that God has as much ordained His people's prayers as anything else. And when we pray, we are producing links in the chain of ordained facts. Destiny decrees that I should pray, so I pray. Destiny decrees that I shall be answered, and the answer comes to me. A man never questions whether he shall eat or drink, because it may or may not be decreed that he shall eat or drink. A man never inquires whether he shall work or not on the basis that it is decreed how much he shall do or how little. But we have a better answer than all of this. Our Lord Jesus Christ comes forward and He says to us today, My dear children, the decrees of God need not trouble you. There is nothing in them inconsistent with your prayers being heard. I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Who is he who says this? Why is it? Why? It is he who has been with the Father from the beginning and he knows what the purposes of the Father are and what the heart of God is. Now since he knows the decrees of the Father and the heart of the Father, he can tell us with the absolute certainty of an eyewitness that there is nothing in the eternal purposes in conflict with this truth that he who, seeks, who he, he who asks receives and he who seeks finds. Christ has read the decrees of God from beginning to end. He tells you there is nothing inconsistent with your bended knee or streaming eye with the Father's opening the windows of heaven to shower upon you the blessings which you seek. Moreover He is Himself God. The purposes of heaven are His own purposes and He who ordained the purpose here gives the assurance that there is nothing in it to prevent the effectiveness of prayer. I say unto you O you who believe in Him, your doubts should be scattered to the winds. You know that he hears your prayers. Well, on the authority of Jesus Christ, we believe and obey this command and this promise. In verse 9, he said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Let's first of all look at the verbs there. Ask, seek, knock. Ask. Ask. This particular Greek word denotes the position of humility and submission of an inferior making a request to a superior. This is not two old buddies asking things of each other. This is the inferior supplicate praying before the superior almighty God. The word ask in Greek refers to the act of praying where the will is earnestly fixed on the answer of the prayer. For you are asking something you really and truly want. It is not a vague or half-hearted request. Then there is the word seek. Seek is stronger than the word ask and it implies more. The Greek word for seek denotes the seeking of an objective the finding and obtaining of that objective, so that in seeking, we must do everything in our power to receive what we ask for. So to seek is not simply to blindly and wishfully hope against hope that something is going to happen. You know, you just keep your fingers crossed. Seeking involves doing everything in your power to receive what you are asking for. Dependence on God is great. But beloved, it's not enough. You must seek and seek to achieve what you are praying for God to produce in your life. And let me give you an example. You earnestly cry out to God, Lord, give me deeper knowledge of your word. I want a knowledge of you who are and what your demands of me are in this word that consumes me, that fills me up. I don't want the ordinary level of understanding. I want a depth and breadth of understanding of your knowledge that will consume my life. Well, then don't sit back and wait to be zapped, my friends. What do you do? You diligently search the Bible. You study the Bible. You become a student of the Bible. You attend Bible studies and worship services. You read God-centered books about the Bible. You live in harmony with God's will revealed in the Bible. So that seeking is asking plus action. It is asking for something you really want. And then doing everything you possibly can do to receive it. And then we come to the word knock. To knock is to pray earnestly and urgently to God, that he will open the door so we may obtain what we have been praying for. The word knock denotes an urgent sincerity implied in seeking and praying. So knocking is asking and praying plus action plus persevering. Seeking is prayer plus action. Doing what you have to do to get what you want. Knocking is asking plus action plus persevering and knocking until your friend opens the door. Now we read a passage from Genesis a while ago and I'd like you to turn back there because it is an example of what true praying is like. Jacob has been wrestling with someone who crippled him. But it's important to know who the person is that he was wrestling with. And we see that in Genesis 32 verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him. And then verse 30. So Jacob named the place Penel for he said, I have seen God face to face. In another place he is referred to as an angel of the Lord. So here you see who the angel of the Lord is in the Old Testament. It is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God. He is said to be a man, and he is said to be God himself. And Jacob wrestles with him. Then Jacob grabs a hold of him, and the Lord says, let loose of me. But Jacob says, I will not let loose of you until you bless me. Then the angel says, okay, I'll change your name. And you know, beloved, that's one of the greatest blessings God can bestow upon anyone. Because a change of name implies a change of heart and a change of life. And that only comes by the grace of God. But notice Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until I prevail upon you and you hear my plea. Persistent, persevering prayer. Then you have a similar situation in Matthew 15. Jesus wouldn't do anything harsh or unloving, right? I mean, he is the most loving person that ever lived. So no matter what this may seem to you, understand he is not mistreating this woman. It's going to seem like it, but that is indeed not the case here. Matthew 15, 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman. Now this is not one of the covenant people. This is not a child of God. This is not a Jewish woman. This is a Canaanite, an unbeliever. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from the region and began crying out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, send her away for for she is shouting out after us. But he answered and said to the woman, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and he said to her again, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it. To dogs like you. But she said, Now, this is a wise woman, I know, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Since all she wanted was crumbs from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, and he said to her, O woman, Your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Was Jesus being cruel to this woman? I mean, here he says this dog, and she was pulling at his pant leg, and he kept saying, get out of here. Is that what he was really doing? Trying to force this woman away? No, he was drawing out this woman's faith. He was drawing out this woman's love for him. He was testing her. Is she going to depend on me and trust in me and look to me no matter what? And she did. And there you see another example of persistence in prayer. Now understand when Jesus says in Luke 11, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it will be opened unto you. He is not describing three different degrees of praying. That is not the point. He is not saying, well, some things aren't that important, so you just simply need to ask. Some things are a little more important, so you need to seek. And in those really important things, you should knock. You know, it all depends on what you ask for as to how much fervency and intensity that you need to put into prayer. That is not what he is saying here. He is saying, whenever you ask... Seek And whenever you seek, knock. Ask for what you truly want with all your heart. Seek it. Do whatever you have to do to get it and keep on knocking until the doors of heaven open. It is not three different kinds of praying. It is the kind of prayer that we should always offer up to God. And I would like you to notice that the words ask and seek and knock are all present tense. When the Greeks wrote something in the present tense, they not only implied that it is happening now, but more importantly, they wanted you to know that this is a continuous action. Because you see, they kept on asking. They kept on seeking. They kept on knocking. The friend knew how strong the friendship was, so he kept on knocking, knowing his friend could not resist helping him. You realize, don't you, that's some of the most cherished things we have received from God are those things we received after begging and begging and begging. Those things that are easily obtained through maybe one quick prayer, we are thankful for. But they are not as cherished as those things that we cry out for regularly, day in and day out, and God answers. Augustine said, the nature of life in the kingdom is that we are Christ's disciples, that we as Christ's disciples are God's beggars. That is the way you live in this world if you are going to be faithful follower of Christ as one of God's beggars. Now notice the great promise in verse 10. And this is addressed to those who knew God as their Father through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just some person indiscriminately. He says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him to him who knocks it shall be opened unto him. In that, it is that one short little verse, the promise that is in it, that shows us the absolute certainty of answered prayer for all of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my friends, there is never any reason or excuse for any of us to be not praying. Listen to this extended quote by Charles Spurgeon on this promise. This is outstanding. There never was a true prayer offered to God unknown to Him. Prayers acceptable with the Most High God come to Him by the way of the wounds of Christ. Hence, the Lord Jesus Christ can speak by personal knowledge, and His declaration is that prayer has succeeded. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. It is not everyone that frivolously or wickedly asks or pretends to ask of God that he gets what he asks for. It is not every silly, idle, unconsidered request of unregenerate hearts that God will answer by no manner of means. Further, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not, or because you ask amiss with the wrong motives. Though there is an asking amiss that will never be answered. If we ask that we may consume the goods upon our lust, we shall not have them. Or if we ask for that which would not be to our good, we will be heard by receiving no such answer as we desire. But those things being remembered, the statement of the Lord has no other qualification. Everyone who asks receives if they are of God. With regard to real and spiritual prayers, everyone who asks, he says, receives without any limit whatever. There has never been, there has never been an instant yet of a person really seeking spiritual blessings for God without receiving them i do not believe that among the damned in hell there is one who dare say i sought the lord and he rejected me there shall not be found on the last day of judgment one soul that can say that i knocked at mercy's door but god refused to open it there shall not stand before the great white throne one soul Who can say honestly, Oh Christ, I would have been saved by you, but you wouldn't save me. I gave myself up into your hands, but you rejected me. Everyone who asks receives. It has been so until this day, and it will be so until Christ himself shall come. If you doubt it, Spurgeon said, try it. And if you have tried it, try it again. Sincerely. He says, I, hear, I think I hear someone wailing. And the person says, I've been crying out to God a long while for salvation. I have asked, I've sought, I've knocked, but salvation has not yet come. Spurgeon says, well, dear friend, if I be asked which is true, God, are you? I know which I shall stand by. And I would advise you to believe God before you believe yourself. God will hear prayer. But do you know there is one thing that must come with the prayer? What is it? And this is insightful. He said, the gospel is not he that prays shall be saved. This is not the gospel I was taught to preach, he says. He says, I was taught to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes shall be saved. Now you've been asking God to save you. Do you expect Him to save you without your believing? Surely you have not the audacity to ask God to make void His own word. Might He not say to you, do as I bid you? Believe my Son, for he who believes on Him has everlasting life. So let me ask you, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Will you trust Him? You say, yes, I trust Him. I trust Him wholly. Then don't ask for salvation anymore. You already have it. You are saved. If you trust Jesus, your sins are forgiven and you are saved. And so the next time you approach the Lord, go with praise as well as with prayer and sing and bless His name. Spurge is, is made, Spurgeon is making the point as clearly as he can, and as only Spurgeon can do, that the promise is true for all believers. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Now let me end today by reading to you Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 through 7. Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 7. And please listen carefully. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace." And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land any more be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah. For the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make a mention of the Lord. Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes and till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. There is what you want to keep seeking and asking and knocking for, giving God no rest. Lord, your church is in shambles. She is torn about with heresy and schism. She is full of apostasy and moral declension. She is not at all what she should be. Lord, bring her to repentance. Reform her by your word and by your spirit. That throughout the world, she may be praised in the earth and that people will see it and appreciate her righteousness and her glory beloved give God no rest keep knocking at the door until he makes Jerusalem the church this church a praise in the earth and you can be absolutely certain that God will answer that prayer